This is the Barrel Racer's Edge podcast. Whether you're training your first maturity horse, putting the finish on your current barrel horse, or maintaining a seasoned rodeo horse, we're here to give you that extra edge in the arena and in life. The Barrel Racer's Edge podcast is a show that digs a little deeper into the things that are going to get and keep you and your barrel horse at the top of your game. We're going to be chatting about everything from saddle fit to checking your brain at the gate, conditioning to working on answering that age-old question of train or pain. Thanks so much for joining us. Now let's dig in. Hey, so we thought we would start off this podcast series introducing each of the hosts um, that you'll be getting to know a bit better as we go on. And so today we thought we would start with Elena Black. Um, So today I'm sitting with her and we're going to be chatting about all things. Um, Yeah, in her background, she right now has EB Barrel Horses in Crossfield, Alberta. And yeah, we thought we'd just have a little chat and get to know her a little bit better. So how are you doing today, Elena? I am good and I'm excited to be a part of this podcast that we're going to be doing here and and, uh, sharing some life experiences and and everything else that goes along in the horse world. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Yeah, really cool. Really cool. Um, So why don't you tell us a little bit about your horse journey? How did you get started in this world of horses? Hmm. Well, um, I always knew I was horse crazy just knew it from the get-go. Um, we didn't have horses when I was super young and anytime we would pass by a horse, I'd be crying to stop the truck, stop the truck. We have to see the horse. So I always knew I was a little bit horse crazy, but, uh, um, I was, none of my family is necessarily involved in horses. My mother did have a few horses when she was younger. And, um, but as far as my family not being involved, um, yeah, no, they really weren't. And it was just a passion that I had. And, um, you know, going forward from that, I didn't have a horse, but I found a wonderful friend <laughs> and I'll tell you, it was Tiffany, uh, when I was six years old, I think Tiff was seven years old and she had horses. So I got to at least experience horsey time and, um, all the places that that took us, we would have, I mean, so many conversations around <laughs> what we what we did um, and didn't not know enough about I guess as children <laughs> yeah we learned it all by trial and error didn't we <laughs> there was a lot of trial and error and our our parents did finally get smart and got us some helmets so that was a good idea <laughs> uh, yeah but um yeah, you can learn a lot of mistakes definitely through trial and error. And, uh, if you want it bad enough, and I always, that's one thing that I always thought, I just always wanted it bad enough. I always wanted a horse bad enough. And I wanted to be around horses bad enough that whatever it took, whatever it took, if it meant me walking, however many miles to go see a horse, I would do it. (laughs) Right. Like I remember you living in town, like we were in a small town, but you were like up the hill in town and I was out in more country area. You would walk for like half an hour. I feel like to come for a house ride. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, even then too, Tiff, we didn't have horse trailers. 
So yeah. if we had a little function to get to, we had to ride our horses to the function. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we look back now and we go, holy smokes, all the information we have now and what those horses probably went through as far as ulcers or whatever. But one thing that those horses were, were fit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Totally. Why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your horses along the journey? Yeah. So I finally got my first horse when I was 10. Um, I got him off the reserve. So just a pile of horses out there and a friend of a friend kind of took me and my parents out there and said, you know, choose one. And I, I found this little bay bald faced, he was cute, had socks and everything. Um, got him for a thousand bucks. So I was pretty excited about my first horse. I only had a bridle and brushes, so I did not have a saddle. Um, rode everywhere bareback. And when it came time to doing a gymkhana or whatever, I know Tiffany was very nice to swap me saddles back and forth for every event, (laughs) (laughs) but also got really good at the the one game ride a buck where you'd have to tuck a $2 bill (laughs) underneath your knee and not a single adult could beat me at the end of the day. (laughs) Now we're dating ourselves because it, it, yeah, it was actually ride a buck when we started and then it went to $2. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then it had to go to five because there was, yeah, but um, (laughs) yeah, but now, you know, in my coaching, I do feel that that was a big part of um, why I had really good balance and everything and just confident on top of a horse. So I do teach very often. I'll teach my kids um, and clients here uh, and my own personal kids to ride bareback because I do believe that it's really important as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, kind of took him along. He knew nothing. Um, We don't know really any of his background, this first pony that I had. And he, um, he was a pretty cool guy. Like I could have him loping on the spot. and, And then we started getting into, or I started getting into, well, you as well, Tiff, but Mm -hmm. um, some show jumping and some dressage and stuff. And turned out he was a a heck of a good little jumper. He was only 14 one hands and he was jumping three foot three jumps. So um, that was all fine and dandy, but I really didn't love the atmosphere of of, uh, show jumping and stuff. And I just always knew that my heart was gonna lay in those gym cannas or Western riding, barrel racing, that kind of stuff. And then, so my aunt had gone ahead and found maybe a barrel racing prospect. I was thinking at this point, I was, I was older, I was 14 and I wanted to start going to rodeos. I wanted to high school rodeo. Like it looked just mm-hmm. so much fun and so amazing, but I wasn't going to get the job done with this little pony. So I posted him and, and in two days he was sold and I sold him for 3,500 bucks. I thought, Holy man, mm-hmm. as a, you know, 13 or 14 year old kid, I thought, wow, that was, I did so good. And that was before Facebook. That was yeah. like, yeah, even yeah. I don't even remember how. Yeah. <laughs> well, we just we were down in Langley, Tiffany, and I put up a sign with a picture and he was he was sold in two days. <laughs> Which is crazy. Oh, yeah. We didn't even know coming from a small town what kind of like what really was good. We had no mm-hmm. idea. Right. So mm-hmm. um, so sold him and they, I think they kept him for a couple of years. And then I received a letter in the mail from the Olympic dressage coach. Um, several mm-hmm. years later, I guess they sold the pony and um, they sold him for $35,000. <laughs> Made some money back. <laughs> so I guess he was really, really good. And um, the Olympic dressage coach, she said in her letter, um, if they had had more ponies like him, they would have done a lot better at the Olympics. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it's pretty sweet that uh, he came off of a, a reserve for a thousand bucks. And then, you know, in his career, he got turned around for that kind of money and was very special pony. So, so that was cool. pretty accomplishing. And then, um, and then with that money, I got to go buy my, uh, my, my one and only my, <laughs> my most special horse in the whole wide world, five bar Mido. Um, he was a, well, my first off, my aunt found him from, uh, Kamloops, BC. He was still racing on the racetrack in the quarter horse races. He had won Canada twice, um, for long distance quarter horse running. And, mm. um, here I was a 14 year old girl <laughs> going to go try this racehorse out. <laughs> and I remember like, wasn't he eight or something? I he remember. Was, him- yeah, he was seven and I was 14 and he had raced five years on the racetrack. He had a, a good mm-hmm. amount of earnings. Like I said, he won Canada. Like he was a fast sucker, um, <laughs> but horses, quarter horses at that age, there is not really any races, not so many quarter horse races available to enter at that time. So those people were looking to find something younger and, and sell him to a good home and, and uh, I was ever so gracious for those people to have sold them to me now looking back on it all. But mm-hmm. I, I go like, what were my parents thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I know. He was fast. <laughs> so uh, off we went to the high school rodeos with, uh, with Mido. <laughs> and, and he was the full on runaway horse because often our rodeo grounds are on built on racetracks, you know. You have to run in and run off the track and, and there would go Helena Black down the quarter stretch after her <laughs> run. <laughs> oh, when you yeah. think back, it's like, at least you had some things going for you. At least he'd been fit for most of his life. So he was, he had that at least going for him, but yeah, the training of a horse off the track that must've taught you a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, these people did really, the people that owned him, really, they only had one or two horses at a time, they would bring him home, so he wouldn't stay in a stall, and, and he would, um, you know, he was treated really, really well, um, and also exercised in a Western saddle at home, and they'd go ride him out the trail, mm. so he wasn't completely, you know, like, one and one thing only, so, but still, it was, a, it was a hard tradition, tra- transition, mm-hmm. but, um, um, looking back, um, it wasn't much longer, probably about, I think when I turned 19, I met up with an amazing trainer that I got to, um, work for, for probably six years. And that's Doug Mills and, um, mm-hmm. his family and that's training through trust and man, oh man, that's where I got, that's where things got really good. Um, having mm-hmm. a, a fit horse and with all learning all of that knowledge and having all that help um, got us to turn around and, and get serious about rodeoing. So, cause he really has like a program that you could follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's pretty much all of my horseman horsemanship basics go back to, um, training through trust program. Um, mm-hmm. it's so easy to follow and, and it's very coachable as well. So, um, that's kind of where I have all of my horsemanship horsemanship background is definitely based off their stuff. And, um, and it's really worked for me and worked for a lot of people. So very cool. Yeah. And is that when you, like, when did you kind of know, cause you guys ended up qualifying for the CFR and the Calgary stampede. Was it your rookie year that you did? Yeah, it was my rookie year that I qualified for the Canadian finals rodeo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing. And is that yeah. kind of when, when did you kind of start to be like, 
you know, you've got this horse off the track and, uh, and then we're in this little town of Pemberton. At what point did you kind of go, Oh, maybe I've, I've got a little something here. Yeah. You know, it took, a, it took a lot of wins to actually realize that how, how good he was <laughs> just because we were so isolated in our small town, you know, like we really didn't know what was fast, but um, you know, in high school rodeo, he wasn't amazing. Like he was better at pole bending than he was barrel racing, but, um, he you know, couldn't get, he was turning so much. He didn't get too fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was it. He keep his, his speed down a little bit, but, um, you know, I kind of went through the ranks, like did some, did some, those gym cannas first in Pemberton. Then I moved and then did some high school rodeos and then did some, um, you know, jackpots like started winning some jackpots in the 1d and then you know won a couple series won a saddle and then did the bc amateur rodeo association did that circuit mm. um didn't end up season leader but won the finals something like that mm. knew at that point that things he was pretty he was a pretty serious contender and then had some really great people mentors mentors that came up to me and were like hey you, you really need to think about getting your permit card and and start going down the road and had a, a, a bunch of great people and mentors reach out and help out with hauling and all that kind of stuff to get going and sponsorship mm-hmm. and all that stuff so um was very blessed to have people be like you know you your horse has got it <laughs> he's got what it oh, takes so, so cool. yeah hit the road and everything just started falling into place and, um, had a really good program, like you said, with Doug to back it all up and, mm-hmm. and had and some, some great, great mentors. mentors around you. Yeah. Yeah. Went to several barrel clinics and all the stuff and, and yeah. And I'm always the one still, you can never learn enough. There's always something to learn. So yeah. Totally. Still again. Yeah. That's and then, um, cool. yeah, had a wonderful time with, with the CFR and, and the next year got to qualify for Calgary stampede. So that was also a huge milestone and, yeah. yeah. And then after Mido, you um, kind of started to dip your toe into the futurity world a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed the futurity world. As I started having children myself too, um, there, I found there wasn't much as much traveling involved and you'd go, you could take your kids to one place on the weekend, set up camp and uh, be there for the weekend. So it seemed a little bit, it fit our family lifestyle at that point. And mm-hmm. um uh, yeah. And now I just have a passion about getting these young horses going in the right direction. And well, actually I have a passion about raising young horses and also raising y- young kids. I just love teaching yeah. these young kids and, um, teaching them in a positive environment and, and how to have a village, you know, that we're mm-hmm. all together in this together and, um, yeah, get lots out of it. Yeah. It's, and it, isn't it nice to be able to, you know, instead of going through the decades of problem solving to kind of get through things, to be able to like speed up the process for them. You're like, Hey, I learned this. <laughs> I can mm. save you five years right here. It's kind of, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean like what a journey it was with, um, with Mido, you know, in a long journey being that I was 14 and, and, um, and he passed away at the last year, actually at the age of 30. So I, I mm-hmm. never, yeah, just pretty blessed to have a relationship like that with such an amazing horse that, taught me like taught me everything <laughs> yeah totally. you know, it wasn't horses, easy and he it wasn't was fast, easy. but he yeah. was not easy he yeah. yeah but um it sure did yeah it sure amplifies everything else going forward onto new horses because you have all this knowledge now <laughs> yeah hey I know. Uh, 
Yeah. yeah. If only we had the knowledge back then, what <laughs> that would have been, but it's, it's, I think it's your life journey. And, and uh, yeah, it had another really great futurity and derby horse as well, going past that and, and uh, have been blessed to be on some great client horses. And, and how uh, is Nino Brad anyways? He was a gasohol, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a gasohol. And, and I do like to say that Dee Butterfield is a big part of, of what I've done as well. Not only, um, her clinics that I've been to several of, Mm -hmm. um, and she's such a man, I just idolize her. She's an amazing person, Mm -hmm. but, um, her breeding program. So Mido was a gasohol and, um, they all, anyone who knows gasohol, they know (laughs) so pretty and man, they have longevity and they're rodeo earners Mm because they're just so pretty. But, um, I also had that maturity horse was a perfect possibility as well. And, and um, they're just so super, super talented. I've, I've been able to throw my leg over quite a few perfects. And uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've always just love, love how athletic they are. <laughs> yeah, totally. that's the futurity horse you're talking about was, uh, what was his registered name? That was Rocket. Yeah, his, um, he was possible rock star. Oh, mm-hmm. right. Of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he would be by La Royal Flush on bottom, which goes back to, the Royal Cash by Dash for Cash and uh, oh yeah. yeah 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 and you got did he end up he won a few was it Derby yeah he won the Canadian High Point Derby Championship so mm. he was a very very consistent horse very consistent horse yeah very cool yeah also mm. his program she had so much foresight you know like she started her breeding program when it wasn't really a thing to have barrel horse yeah. programs. It was like, you just got horses off the track that were bred to run really. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. they had a good mind. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. And um, yeah, so that kind of brings us to now. So what are you doing these days? Well, um, for the most part, I'm coaching a lot, um, giving riding lessons and still training I usually have just a couple client horses at a time Um, I think that's really good because I can just focus on them and um, have one of my own coming up as well Um, but yeah so still riding lots every day but always finding time to make sure I get my lessons and and we'll go to lots of local races around here where we'll have sometimes 11 kids, 11 students come from our barn. <laughs> so Fun. it's uh, no place to relax for me, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I really, really enjoy being there and supporting all these young girls um, who are wanting to further go, go further in their career of barrel racing. And, and I can just maybe give them a few shortcuts so they don't have to go through this lifelong journey I mean we all have a lifelong journey for sure but um if you have someone mentoring you in your corner and and you know telling them the little secrets so you don't have to actually go and figure it out for yourself <laughs> yeah yeah definite shortcuts yeah. for sure yeah yeah and that's so cool and Elena's also um one of the coaches on the barrel racers edge a, a program that we just uh, put together this year and so she's our our trainer um on the team so that's been kind of cool to be able to bring it to uh not just the local area kind of put it out there your program to more people and help expedite the process <laughs> yeah I just want to share it all with everyone right and, and I feel like what I do is pretty um you can uh, what's the word for it like a, it's 
an easy pattern, you know, mm-hmm. to follow, um, with my horsemanship basics and, um, you always have a good foundation to fall back on and yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to keep chatting about more fun things, barrel racing as we come up in some future episodes, but thanks so much for sitting down and chatting with us this afternoon. Mm-hmm. It's been fun. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to uh, our journey here. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us on today's episode. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And if you feel so compelled, we would love to have you leave us a little review or even share this episode with a friend if you think they might find value in it. We hope you have an amazing day and don't forget to enjoy the process. We'll see you soon.